This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You're going to end up eating a steady diet of government cheese and living in a van down by the river. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and you only live once. At least, that's what today's guest says, though. Buddha might want to have a word with him. To help you make the happiest time of your estimated one life, today we welcome the creator behind Happy Money, Happy Life, Jason Vita. In our headlines, higher cash yields are luring many investors out of stocks. Should you follow suit? We have opinions. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Caleb, who wants to know about the tax savings of converting a traditional IRA to a Roth while the market is a sloth. And then, I'll share some trivia you'll only answer once. And now, two guys who are here to help you stack Benjamins all your life, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! here reporting for duty on a Wednesday. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Welcome back to the Stacky Benjamin Show. I'm so happy you're here. We're going to talk happiness and there's nothing that makes me happier than sitting across the card table from this man, Mr. OG. I would almost second those because I'm certain there are things that make me happier than sitting across from you. But <laughs> thank you. You're in the top 20. 20. You're in the top 23. Wouldn't that be wild if you were wildly specific about that? That'd be great. Uh, the whole stacker community is wondering. Normally, we try to get right to it, but the whole stacker community is wondering if your house is still standing. So for people that have not ah. listened to past episodes, they may not know what we're talking about. But uh, if you have, uh, house still there? And is your son still alive? Yes to both. Yep, just some two by fours and some sheetrock. So yes, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. As they say, there was an accident at the OG residence, but today's no accident. We got J- Jason Vitug here. How about that? Ninja, oh. ninja there. segue there. Yes. A headline. I think my, my goal today, is see if I can get OG's eyes to roll. We're going to get to my role maybe from our first headline, but you know what? Before that, I went to see my doctor because I had this issue and he told me all this. This episode is sponsored by state farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. 
Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country And I also think about some of our active service members want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal's insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. That may not be completely true. Rub some dirt on it. <laughs> that's, that's what we did in third grade. Remember that? Just pop, yeah. some, pop some mud on it. And before that, like when, when I was in kindergarten or four years old, you know, if mom kissed it, it felt better immediately. That was it. <laughs> mom, I got a boo-boo. Yeah. Yeah. We got a great show. Jason Vitug here talking about happiness. So let's get started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. Our headline today comes to us from Investment News. This is written by Jeff Benjamin. With yields on cash climbing, advisors struggle to keep some clients in stocks. Even though history suggests the best strategy. (laughs) I should have seen that coming. In the immediate wake of the worst year for balanced portfolios since 2008 and the worst year ever for bonds, and against the backdrop of a looming recession, investors are once again weighing their options regarding allocations to cash. Despite wide-ranging bullish outlooks, uh, Jeff writes, for the 2023 that cite slowing inflation and likely just one more interest rate hike, the reality of economic uncertainty combined with money market yields reaching 4% of some online banks has made cash a tempting alternative to risk assets. I got to say, it's difficult, man. People start seeing 4%. We haven't seen that in a long time, OG. They're like, yeah, the stock market not doing great last year. I look at my stock statements. I look at what cash is doing. Sure seems to me like cash is where it's at. Yeah, but have you looked at your stock statements so far this year? It's been been a nice little uh, three, four-week rebound, actually. All of this doesn't matter in... A silo. You have to also add to the fact what is inflation, because why do we invest in stocks anyway? What is the, what is the only reason that we use stocks? The only reason is because they're the only thing that outpaces inflation. And in a rising cost environment, which is going to be your retirement, you retire when you're 65 years old. By the time you're 95, prices have tripled for everything: milk and gasoline and stamps and you know, property taxes and all that other sort of fun stuff. So the only thing that increases 
uh, with inflation or beats inflation, that is, is the earnings of companies. It's the stock market. So you can't outpace inflation in fixed income, and you certainly can't outpace inflation in cash. So if you're investing in cash, and cash is at 4%, what does that tell you about inflation rates? <laughs> it, it tells you, you you're not catching it yet. It's not exactly tomato, tomato. It's not like today's at 4% and tomorrow inflation can't be 3.9 and you go, see, I told you I'd beat it. But, but long-term, that's not going to pay off, right? The only thing that's going to pay off is the rising returns of, of the great companies of the United States. Well, even if it does, even if inflation OG does moderate and let's say that we go back to the late nineties when, you know, uh, money market rates were just a touch higher than here, four and a half, five percent, maybe even at that time, I think that those rates were beating inflation, but just barely like you're, you know, just barely outpacing inflation. And to your point, you're never going to make it. Yeah, and that would be true for a short period of time. It can't all it won't always be true. And, and you know, if you look over the timeline of your retirement or the timeline of your savings until retirement and then through it, there's no way that cash will outpace inflation during that entire period. So, the only thing that does is ownership of companies. So, if you're investing for long term, that's the only place it can be. It can only be in the ownership of companies. If you have other goals, if you have goals that are intermediate term or short term, cash is a great place. Fixed income is a great place for that because it's got a known outcome, a known rate of return, and a known expiration date, so to speak. If you're talking about fixed income, you say, I buy a 10-year bond. I know it comes due in 10 years. I know I'm getting this interest over this period. Cool. But if you're talking about investing for your retirement, if you're 35 years old, and this is kind of your first really major downturn, you, you don't really remember the COVID one because it happened in 17 days and came back and you're like, yeah, whatever. But this kind of extended year-long one is your first one. And you're thinking, maybe stocks aren't for me. <laughs> you know, it was, this is a, It's a lot more fun when they just go up 20% every year. But when they go down 20%, I don't like it. No, this is going to happen every five or seven years. This is what happens. So be okay with it. Part of the journey. There are people listening to us that maybe have already gone to cash. And they're like, well, and you already answered this, OG. Uh, Pull up. I'll get back Pull in up. when the market starts, <laughs> when the market starts going up, market starts going up. That's when I'll get back in. And then they heard you at the beginning of this segment going, have you looked at the numbers lately? Cause we do, we get lulled to sleep when things go really well for an extended period of time. We get lulled to sleep. We go back to work. We do our thing. Market goes down for a while. Like it has last year. We get lulled to sleep. We have no idea. I bet there's a ton of people listening to this show that have no idea that the market has gone the right way the last few weeks. Yeah. I mean, even some people might say that the market has done better than it should. Tech is up. We're recording this a few days, but ahead of time, tech is up 9%. Small caps are up 8% for the year. The S&P, which is kind of like the, the biggest companies in the United States and the world is up four for the year. That's not normal either, by the way. <laughs> you know, Emerging markets up 10, I saw. It's always going to be volatile. And sometimes it's volatile to the downside and sometimes it's volatile to the upside. We like upside volatility. Those are the fun ones. When the market average is 10 and we get 20 and 25, we're like, that's awesome. This is a great year. Woohoo. And it's like, well, no, this is volatility also. This is just the kind we like. It's like the roller coaster going up the hill. It's just the volatility we don't like, which is kind of what it goes the other way. So I think we forget about the fact that last year is over. Here we are this year, and prices, stock prices reflect future earnings. So if you're thinking about where we are in the economic cycle, 
or where we could be, if you're kind of trying to forecast it a little bit, are we at the beginning? Are we in the middle? Are we at the end of it? We're probably not at the beginning, right? The beginning was probably 18 or 15 months ago. But we're closer to the end than the beginning, I think. So if that's the case, then why would you invest in something other than than stock right now? And if you went to cash, now's your chance. Get back in. You're waiting for it to come back. It's coming back. There's a piece of this that we haven't addressed to uh, that Jeff Benjamin writes in his headline, OG, that I want to ask about. The headline was, with yields on cash climbing, advisors struggle to keep some clients in stocks. We talked about why you need to stay in stocks. We talked about yields on cash climbing, not always a good thing. The middle of this I want to talk about, though, advisors struggle to keep their clients in stocks. Where do you think advisors might be getting it wrong here, that there's a disconnect between advisor and client? that they're not getting the message through. Is there a way we should be talking to people that we're not? All of it, I think, boils back down to the decision that you have around the goals that you're trying to achieve. When you're very clear about what you're trying to accomplish, when you're very clear about the goals and the timeframes that those goals are on, then it's really easy to pick investments that line up with that time horizon. People get concerned about their investment portfolio when they don't know what to expect. And if you're an advisor and you're hearing from clients and they're frustrated or concerned or they're feeling surprised about about what happened, it's because you didn't do a great job of explaining to them what could happen. And there's lots of tools, there's lots of technology that you can use to illustrate here's where you'll probably be. But more importantly, if you tie that back to your goals and say, hey, your goal is in 25 years from now, so we're going to use an investment tool to help you reach your goal, that is a 25-year time horizon. And during that time, I'm pretty confident that you know, you'll know you average X percent return because historically that's what it does. But there's going to be times, probably every five or six years, where this investment tool is not going to do well and it's going to do really poorly, as a matter of fact. And here's what that looks like. You, know, you have a million dollars today. You could wake up in 12 months from now and have 800000 and by the way, that's completely normal. That's not even like at the level of freak out yet. <laughs> like that's like, yeah, that's just another Tuesday type of number. It seems ridiculous, but then if you look at the risk reward trade-off, you say, so for every five years that it goes up 10%, I have to be okay with one year that it goes down that it goes down 20. Every day of the week we'd take that. If that was a casino game, right? Like you put in a dollar and you get 10 cents every time you pull it four times in a row, but the fifth time you're going to get a minus 20 cents, you would stuff that thing with money. I think this is why you stick with exchange-traded funds, OG. I mean, to skip a beat here a little bit, so you're playing these laws of large numbers. Because if stocks in general are based on the economy, you stuff it full because there's a certainty around the economy where there's a lot less certainty around a single company. I think it's the same same thing you're talking about, right? Sure. I mean, diversification is always going to beat uh, uh, non-diversification trying to find one stock except for the one time that it doesn't. We all know a friend who bought something and hit it out of the park, right? I mean, Tesla a couple of years ago. I don't don't need to do ETFs, but there's a level of certainty that comes with investing in all of the stuff versus having to try to decipher which one yeah. of the things. Yeah, I'm just in thinking advance. those. I'm just thinking those two casino machines sitting next to each other, and you look at the odds. 
Right. Odds of one, it's going to hit it one out of 15 times and you're going to hit it huge versus this is going to hit it nine out of 10 years or eight out of 10 years. You know, yeah. it goes up by 70 something percent of the time. So I've got a much better chance. I'm going to stuff the one full of money where I know that I'm going to continue to win, where the winning percentage is absolutely huge. That's right. Yep. And if you were doing that to kind of carry that one step further, if you were doing that with your mortgage payment that's due tomorrow, and you knew there's a one in five chance that you're going to lose 20% of it, you wouldn't do it because that doesn't match the timeline. If you're like, this is the money I absolutely need tomorrow, that goes back to where would you invest the money? Which Should you invest it into stocks if you need the money tomorrow? No, that's where you would use cash, which is, you know, we're grateful that it's paying some interest now. I like this discussion about setting up expectations. If you're an advisor, if you're not an advisor, asking your advisor to set up expectations. What are the downside expectations here? What are the upside expectations? Why are we in this? What's the time frame? Like some smart questions to ask. As I was searching and found this piece on investment news right next to it, I saw another piece, which is another reason I asked about advisors, because listen to this. This is a piece also from investment news, also written by Jeff Benjamin. Fidelity hopes to bridge the gap between aging advisors and young investors. And I'm wondering if this might be an issue too. With the huge number of financial planners that report that they're going to be retiring in the next five to 10 years, OG, and you have all of this new wealth, all of this young money, it feels to me like there might be a big disconnect between very old advisors and very young people. I've been reading about the we plan to retire in five to 10 years, I think, for quite a while. I just wonder, <laughs> a, a, when do I get to like fall into that category? That's what I want to you know. You know what's funny? <laughs> like, I didn't even think about that until you said that. I remember reading that in the late 90s. Like, oh, the whole advisor yeah. group is going to flip over. Yeah. I mean, the world of professional advice is way different than it was 25 years ago when, when I started and, and even longer ago when you started and during your career. I mean, it's much less of a sales thing than it used to be, although that's still super important. Being able to communicate and like motivate people to do the thing that they want to do is super important. But there are programs now at colleges across the country, notably Texas Tech and Kansas State and, and Texas A&M, and I'm missing a whole bunch for sure, but, but those are the ones I'm closely familiar with, where students, young people, can actually get degrees in financial planning. When we started this business, you could get a CFP, which was good, but your undergraduate degree would be something, you know, underwater basket weaving or something unrelated generally. So the fact that there's actually some acceptance of this being a profession, I think is super, super helpful for the kind of next generations. But by the same token, like you said, it is a little interesting, even at the young age that I am relative to you talking to, uh, Oh, there it is. I got. I got. I to look. I look on that one. I was trying to avoid uh, the eye roll. It just yeah, and then it just yeah. came out. It it came out. But it's different. You have to be paying attention to what's important to that generation. If you if you're an advisor, I bet that most of your clients look a lot like you. And I'm wondering if you're a potential client. If you're looking for an advisor, searching for an advisor closer to your age range might also help you bridge some of that. Some of that communication gap, because, you know, my dad talks a little differently than I do. My son yeah. talks a little differently than I do. 
there is a generational way that we talk to each other. I think that maybe you can get rid of some of that friction by hiring people closer to your age range and maybe they'll be able to convince you more. Don't go to cash to loop these two back together. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. If your old 85 year old financial planner is telling you to go to cash, it might be time to, <laughs> you might be using his time horizon. In that <laughs> but I did read a study. I mean, this is some years ago now, so I don't know how true it is, but this was some years ago that there were more advisors at AIG, which was a big, big company at the time. There were more advisors at AIG over 80 than under 30. Oh, Lord. So, Oh, boy. I don't know if that's still true. No. But you know what I do know? I do know that we'll dive even more into this in our newsletter, The 201, a great newsletter that uh, Kevin Bailey on our team puts together with a little help from me, but Kevin does most of the heavy lifting. He dives into and curates links to more on hiring advisors. In this case, he'll also be talking more about why you should stick to the long term, about the difference between cash, real estate, stocks, different investment types. Uh, we dive in more in the 201. It's always free. Always unsubscribe. If you don't want any more, stackingbenjamins.com slash 201 gets you that. Comes out the day after the Monday and Wednesday shows. Coming up next, Jason Vitug, not only a great friend of uh, OG and mine, but also- I know him. Yes, a wellness advocate, best-selling author of two books. He was on uh, and went around the country for his first book, You Only Live Once. He and I took a picture down at uh, Three Chicks Feed and Seed, which is a- uh, A burger joint. It's it's actually a farming store with farming equipment and seeds and all kinds of stuff, but it also has a cafe attached. And we've got a, got a great picture of Jason and I with a turkey at one of the weirdest restaurants in the Texarkana area. But the reason I wanted to talk to him is that as we've emerged from this time when we weren't together to a time when a lot of things are changing, we've had a lot of people on lately, OG, talking about happiness. And I think Jason does a great job of wrapping money, something he's been deeply involved in his entire career in banking with credit unions and now with Frugal, his brand and his two books and this idea of happiness. And where is that middle ground? Jason's going to attack that for us today. So hang on for that. Doug, I think right now you've got some trivia for us, right? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And how much do you know about credit unions? They're not just the bank's little sisters running a lemonade stand, as lots of people think. Our guest today, Jason Vitug, is actually partnering with credit unions in every state. OG and Joe both highly recommend not partnering with Ohio State Credit Union. Oh, God. Although the MSU Federal Credit Union? Hey, Jason, Joe says that'd be a big win. So here's my question. Which organization insures credit unions? I'll be right back after I tell Bank of America to stick it where the sun don't shine. Oh, gee, did you make it through the holidays without destroying all your credit cards, racking up a bunch of debt on the old credit card? These are these are all separate questions. Did I make it through the holidays? Did I destroy my credit cards or did I rack them up? Uh, in that order, yes, maybe, and I'm not answering. <laughs> I'm going to plead the fifth. Well, maybe it's time to become the CFO in your financial house, OG. And to do that, you could partner up with Navy Federal Credit Union. Start off with paying down credit card debt. You could get a low intro APR. A yeah. On balance transfers that are platinum credit card. It's their lowest rate card. Great 
tool to pay less interest while you're paying down debt. Let's say you've got that next home improvement project. I don't know. Let's say maybe you're going to repair a hallway um, right yeah. off your garage. Maybe your son drove a car through the garage wall and you've the, got two by fours on order at Home Depot. Theoretically, they offer a home equity line of credit with convenient access to funds when you need them at a variable rate. You could also get a fixed rate equity loan that has set monthly payments for large purchases, but consolidating debt with a home equity loan could also streamline and lower your monthly payments. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Our members are the mission. Insured by NCUA, equal housing lending, membership required, loan subject to approval. Call 1-888-842-6328 for details about credit cost and terms. HELOC APR is low as 6.5% as of November 23rd, 2022. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey there, stackers. I'm nonprofit nut job and discriminating depositor Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Our producer, Karen, just told us that if we're ripping on Ohio State, we should at least get it right and amend the sentence to say, don't use the Ohio State Credit Union. That better, Karen? God. You know, credit unions are so misunderstood, I wouldn't be surprised if they started an emo band. They often offer better interest rates and lower fees. They're not-for-profit and are owned by their members. And you can eat a meatball sandwich in the lobby without the security guard getting involved. Or at least, you know, that was my experience. So, who insures these financial unicorns that are credit unions? Not FDIC, like banks, but a similar organization for credit unions called the National Credit Union Association, or, as most people call it, the NCUA. Here to tell us more about happiness and his love of credit unions, we welcome Jason Vita. I'm super happy he's back in the basement. It's been too long. Jason Vitug is here. How are you, man? I am doing great, Joe. It has been way too long to be here. I have to start off here. I remember you fast and furious on the last book going 100 miles an hour. You breeze, in, but not breeze. You're like a house on fire coming through Texarkana. We get, you're in my picture taken with a turkey which is like one of my favorite pictures of all time. We, we have a blast. I remembered you slept in like my kid's room and I accidentally had the heat on. Uh, so it was a way hotter night in Texarkana than it should have been. I apologize for that again. Then you just go off the map. You are just, you're gone. Like you're, you're there and then you're completely gone. So imagine my surprise as I'm reading the foreword of your current book and, and you got sued Yes, I did. It's been a wild journey. And that just has a lot to do with hiring the wrong people to do work for you, giving them the, the decisions 
to make and giving them the okay. And then all of a sudden, finding a person standing in front of your house with a leather and going, what is this? Oh, okay, this is nice. <laughs> that is so, it's so wild. But the but the story even goes deeper than this, which is, you know, you're going to all these different states. You're working with credit unions across the country. You're even stopping in beautiful Texarkana, which was awesome. But you're doing all this stuff and you were fried. I mean, you were just fried. You went to your doctor's office. You were having what? Uh, headaches? And yeah, I mean, I was having headaches. I was lethargic. I couldn't get out of bed. So here's the thing, right? Like I have all the energy to do a, a ton of things, but I just couldn't physically get out of bed. So I thought there was something wrong with me. So I started going to my doctor, my GP, general practitioner, and we were doing a ton of tests and trying to figure out what was wrong, what was causing this tiredness. And of course, everything leads to the big C, right? Because I have this mission, this purpose, I have the desire, the motivation, but my body just physically could not do it. After all the tests, he comes back and he says, I think you have adrenal fatigue. And, and that's really not a diagnosis, but to let you know that you've been probably running wild for a very long time and your body is in this high stress zone. And so that is the baseline in which it was operating from. And so therefore I was wearing my body thin and landed me like sick and unable to do the work that I wanted to do. That's so wild. And then, but, but, but let's be clear here. I've known you for a long time, dude. <laughs> yes. And you did exactly what Jason's do. You're like, Hey, that's great. Uh, this is a horrible diagnosis, but I'm going to keep going. That's exactly it. It's that drive. I've said a couple of times, there's a curse to ambition. It's like, it just never makes you want to accept uh, where we are in life and to appreciate the achievements. And so, yeah, I kept going and kept going until I really hit a wall and realized I need to take a, a step back. And taking a step back meant limiting my social media use, limiting my speaking gigs. I was still working behind the scenes, but as you've stated, I was invisible for the most part. And so when I re-entered this world, it's fascinating how much it's changed. And so I feel like this really elderly person coming into this world of going, what's TikTok? I can't dance. I can do yoga poses now. We'll get into that. Yes, I can. I've tried dancing. I've tried dancing in the platforms. And then I look at myself and I go, is this really me? <laughs> or, or am I some just AI just dancing? Like those, yeah, like those cutout heads that they put on people and make them dance on different platforms. But it seems like you come by this honestly because your your mom was having a similar, it, it sounds like she was drained and she had been running herself ragged as well. Yeah. So my mom was the breadwinner in the household. And so she was running herself thin. And so she's been having these different episodes in terms of medical issues. And she had high stress levels, high blood pressure. She worked in law. She ended up in the hospital. And we come to discover that she was suffering from much more than just high blood pressure. And she was diagnosed with Parkinson's. And so oh, that was, wow. yeah. So that was all the symptoms were leading up to the Parkinson's diagnosis. And so that affected me heavily. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office and my mom looking at me going, is this what retirement means? Just spending all this time in the doctor's offices. And there was a period where part of me disappearing, I spent 
like 40 doctor visits with my mom going in and out of doctors, offices and medical facilities and things like that, just trying to understand this disease and also understanding all the symptoms that go along with, with Parkinson's. And so my mom retired earlier than the traditional retirement age. And so this was all just a shock for me. So not only was I having my own medical issues, now I'm dealing with my mom's medical issues as well. And so that took a big toll and also start reassessing some of my choices in life and also affirming my philosophy about living well. I want to get to that in a moment, but it was at this moment, guys, it was at this moment that you got sued. Like everything else is is going is going horribly. And then you find out you're getting sued on top of it. And it was time for a reboot. So you wrote, and, and I felt like this was a little bit of a flex. You're like, so I'm at my Airbnb in Italy. When I realized, <laughs> I'm like, oh, nice, nice. My Airbnb is I'm sipping on my latte, my beautiful or Italian wine. When I realized this is all together, but you did have this big aha that, listen, all of this stuff, being sued, bad financial decisions by some people around you, uh, the stuff in your personal life, like these are all disconnected, disparate things. These are all pieces of a whole. That's absolutely right. And that was the thing, because I was looking at it in terms of, okay, this is business work. This is a financial piece. This is the personal family issues. And I was trying to solve each of those issues separately and then not realizing that they are all connected. And so when you remove yourself, and I removed myself from the environment, and that was going to Positano, Italy, that little flex, that allowed me to look at my situation differently. I think that's important too, right? When in the healing process, in the assessment process, is remove yourself from the situation, and then our brain starts processing it differently. And that's what happened with me. And that's why that's a real life aha moment where I started making the connection and started going, okay, these are different pieces, but they are all connected. And how are they connected? And that was like that revelation that we are multidimensional, multifaceted, multilayered. And I think we all know this, but I hadn't quite figured out what that meant. I talk a lot about work and I talk a lot about finance, but that there are other aspects that people know me about, mental and emotional. And now I'm having these physical issues as well. So they all started connecting. And that was that aha moment of, wellness. Wellness is dimensional. There are different aspects of what makes us us. And when I finally understood it in that capacity, things started changing for me. Is this why you took up yoga? Then because I feel like yoga is one of these kind of, well, yoga is kind of one of these interdimensional things, right? I mean, it's exercise, but it's stretching, but it's spiritual, but it's, there's all these, but it's, but it's, but it's. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's mind, body, soul, it's physical, it's mental, it's spiritual, and it's also social. You get to hang out with other people going through this experience, and you tend to do these in different places, so it has an environmental factor in it. So yeah, it actually hits all these dimensions, but I was actually a practicing yogi for like 12 years, and I just wanted to- really? Yeah, people don't know that. Yeah, I practiced yoga for 12 years, and the reason why I got into yoga was- I was so stressed at work when I was in my corporate job that my boss recommended I take yoga. Also, my doctor at the time recommended that I take yoga. And I remember my first yoga class, I was laying down. They were trying to tell me, okay, relax your shoulders on the floor. 
And the yoga instructor, Will, he was like, relax. I'm like, I am relaxed. He goes, no, you're trembling. And so that's kind of one of the things. It's like, I couldn't, I was so wound up. My body was so tight. I couldn't even lay on the floor and allow my body to just be supported by the ground. And that was another revelation. When I look at my life, I noticed that there was this treadmill I was on trying to climb up the corporate ladder. I got off of it and then I got onto the entrepreneurial ladder and it was the same thing. I was chasing the same thing with a different name and it landed me in the same situation. I was burnt out, tired, exhausted. And so that's because I didn't understand how everything was connected. You know, you talked about getting out of the situation and and you don't need to go to you know, all the way to Italy. But I love this idea that just getting out of that situation, Jason, getting your head out of that space, giving yourself the room to breathe and to think for a minute. Like, I feel like, I don't know, we kind of tell ourselves, hey, I will hand this over to the universe to fix once I get done completely f-ing it up. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I just, I just got to mess this up a little more before I take a break. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, you have to take a break. You have to remove yourself from the environment that's perpetuating the situations, that's perpetuating the stress. The environment, the situation can be physical. It could be your household, it can be the community, it can be the situation in which we are we're finding ourselves in, whether it's financial stress, work stress. We have to remove ourselves from that situation, that environment. And what I find is that getting away physically, taking my physical body somewhere else forces our mind to kind of like figure out what's happening, right? It's sort of like in the base, uh, like fight or flight, figure out this new yeah. this new location. And then eventually you start thinking about your situation that you left behind in a totally different way. And that has a lot to do with the different conversations you have, the different experiences, and all that relates to your mind processing your past experiences differently with the new data that it's receiving from being outside of your normal bubble. I think, you know, it's these big moves, these non-incremental moves, this kind of new thinking versus incremental thinking. And I feel like it's impossible to do this big thinking about life and what am I really doing without getting yourself out of this day to day. Otherwise, I'm always thinking about the 3% raise or can I save $30 more a month Maybe I need to cancel one subscription. Don't get me wrong. These things are all great money moves, but they're just tiny versus where the hell am I headed and getting out of there? Is that the same reason, by the way, you just also did a trip uh, because I know you just want to be like me, I'm sure is the whole thing. So you went to Egypt and Jordan. I just went to Egypt and Jordan. Same thing there. Just get out of it before this big tour. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And it's funny because I think I, I saw your post while you were in Egypt and that inspired me. And so I see friends traveling the world and I'm sitting alone in my house, staring at my computer. I'm going, what am I doing with my life? When I've, when I've but that's changed, toxic. You, you should not do that. That is just so bad. It, it is so bad. And, and that's kind of one of the key things too. It's sort of like our circle of friends does influence us. And also in a non-direct non, uh, way in terms of social media, right? You're just posting because you're enjoying your time. And then eventually you're influencing guys like me staring at your profile picture of this amazing trip. But they also understand too that you enjoyed your time there. And that's exactly what I wanted to do. So I knew that I was going to go on this tour to promote the book. But what I wanted to do was to kind of get away from the day-to-day and reassess. Yeah. 
And so I've always wanted to go to Greece. I've always wanted to go to Egypt and Jordan to see Petra. But for some reason, Joe, I like, I just wouldn't go. I've been to so many other parts of the world and you know my travel stories. I've been to Asia, sure, South America. Everywhere. Everywhere. But for some reason, the places that I've wanted to go as a kid, to go see the Acropolis, to go touch the pyramids, were two things I kept holding off to. I was like, okay, I'll do that later. I'll do that later. I'll find the perfect time because that is a childhood dream. And eventually I go, the perfect time is now. This is the perfect time. And everything else will land where it lands. I'm going to take, I think it was like 35, 40 days, went out there, Greece, Turkey, Italy, um, Italy. Uh, see, that's another vacation spot I need to go back to, <laughs> to my mind. Yeah. But uh, Egypt and Jordan and Oman, Jordan. I mean, it, was, it was such an amazing experience. And I go back to the conversations I was having with the other travelers I was meeting along the way the locals, the guides, and just having different experiences when it comes to the food. And and just, just all of that culminated to going, I am in the right place where I need to be. And so I'm rested, I'm excited, and I'm, I'm ready to get people to start connecting everything. But it just makes me, it makes me see so much clearly my day-to-day when I'm in somebody else's day-to-day, a little bit. When I was talking to people from Egypt in Cairo, it just gave me, you know, more of a, of a, a, I don't know, if people haven't traveled internationally, you need to, you need to. Uh, I just think it gives you such a different life view. I agree with you. And it's so funny because I think they say, if you can drive in cities like New York, you can drive anywhere. No, <laughs> try driving in Israel or try driving in Cairo, Egypt. I mean, I think if I you- I say Saigon. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being on the back of a Vespa in Saigon and I was sure I was going to die. Yeah, it, it is something else. And then your mind is processing that and going, okay, traffic in New York isn't that bad. Traffic in different parts of, of the US is not that bad compared to the three lane highway that has turned to six lanes and everything is zooming by. And so that does give you a different perspective and it gives you an appreciation for what we have. And I think that's why I encourage people to get out of their day-to-day to go out and travel. And when people go and they'll say, oh, it's too expensive to travel overseas, I get that. But there are places in the US that are amazing that can get you out of the day-to-day in kind of like the bustling New York City metro area. You can go down to other parts of the country. You can explore national parks. And what happens, I, this is a fact and also kind of sad the vast majority of people that you're going to meet at the U.S. national parks are probably foreigners than Americans, and they're appreciating the national park system that we have. And so I always encourage other people, it's here in our country, and you don't have to fly across the pond to get to. It frustrates me every time I go to national parks, how few Americans are there and how, and don't get me wrong, I love the fact that it's multinational. That's pretty cool. Yes. But, but I'm like, where, where are the locals? What are we doing? I want to start there because this is the philosophy really behind the book, but I really want to dive into some some themes in the book. You say in chapter two, I think, money isn't everything. Mm-hmm. Where are you going with that? It's a money book, Jason. Money's not everything. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, I wanted people to understand that money isn't everything, but it impacts most things. So this is my philosophy that I'm not saying don't don't set financial goals, don't manage your money well, income is not important. I mean, we know that we live in a society built around money. And for me to say money isn't important 
is is it's kind of uh, uh, ignoring the fact. And so I want people to understand that money isn't everything, but it does impact most things. And I want you to understand what those things are. That's what's vital because then we can start doing the work or focusing on different aspects of our financial life that can actually impact the things that are much more, that's the most important things in our lives. And so, yes, money isn't everything, but it impacts most things. This is also 12 years of interviewing people, Jason, the first financial book I've ever read that has poetry in it. (laughs) Yes, it does. Where did the idea come for the poetry? You know, I wanted to push my boundaries in terms of writing. And I said, what brings joy into my life? And it was exploring this different medium. Before the quarantine, during, before the pandemic, I had this experience of like just, just feeling overwhelmed again with my mother's diagnosis and things like that. And one, one morning I woke up and I just started rhyming and just words just started flowing in a very rhythmic, poetic way. I started writing it down and I wanted to share it out, but I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to share this type of writing. And, and so I remember I held on to it for a year. And then I went during the pandemic and the quarantine, I went to yoga teacher training online. So this was the first time that the big yoga Alliance certification body allowed teacher training for yogis online. And I said, okay, I think this is my time to do this. And they went and, and said one day, do something that makes you uncomfortable and share it to this cohort. And I go, the most uncomfortable thing for me right now isn't getting into these yoga poses. It's to sharing this poetry that I wrote. I was so nervous. I was stumbling. And you know, I, I speak for a living, but I was stumbling. I was nervous. But my team, my yoga cohort, just knew how, how connected I was to this. And I knew when I wrote this book that I wanted to include that. And I wanted to include other poetry and or what I consider my poetic voice in, in this book. Because I want people to understand, too, when we, when we finally achieve a level of financial security, independence, or reaching financial milestones, we should be free to explore. We should be free to express ourselves the way we want to. And this was another medium for me to do that. Well, and I feel like this, uh, two things, number one, putting yourself out there, right, is a big thing. And I'm imagining that, you know, it was nerve wracking, but you must have felt awesome after you did it. I did. I felt amazing. It was one of those things, I think, pushing the limits that the self-imposed limits on our mind. I think that is part of the growth mindset. So for me, writing the poetry was one thing publicly sharing it was another. And this is just another way for me to share it out into the world and say, okay, money doesn't have to be dry and boring. It could be fun. It could be experimental. It could be, wow, this guy wrote a poem about money and he's bearing it all out into the world. So I want people to rethink their relationship. And I thought this was a really fun way to do so. And for me, it was also a way to push that boundary and did it push that boundary. Well, and then the second piece of that too is this idea of uh, celebrating, right? The idea of 
celebrating your poetry, celebrating new things, sharing it with people, having these people around you that are pushing you, you know, I mean, this has been a theme, not just of our conversation, but of the theme in the book. One of your last chapters in the book, you go over these different happies, uh, happy mind, happy work, happy heart, happy body. But one of those is happy social. Yes. Tell me about the difference in where happy social fits in with this whole multi-generational approach to money. Yeah. So the most important thing I want people to understand too, it's like we kind of glossed it over. So there are eight dimensions of wellness. That's your mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, social, occupational, environmental, and financial. And I specifically talk about how money weaves itself into these eight wellness dimensions that make you, you. And one aspect I think that gets overlooked is the social wellness dimension, which I call happy social. That is the area where you have relationships with your partner, your friends, your family, your coworkers. They can be positive relationships or negative. They can be assets or liabilities. And so I share a story of someone who was working hard to achieve financial independence pre-pandemic. And he used to gloat online how he was saving $20 to reach his goal faster by saying no to his friends. It was a point of pride to say no to his friends when they would ask him to go out to dinner, out to drinks. And what happened during the quarantine? Well, no one was asking him to go out. And then he realized how alone he felt. He realized that even though he was, he was not attending the social gathering with his friends, he was still having a type of social relationship. And so he had an epiphany on how valuable social relationships were to his well-being. He told me he would have spent 10 times the $20 just to be surrounded with friends and having conversations and creating memories. And I think I want people to understand that there are certain sacrifices that we make to achieve financial goals. One of them shouldn't be a complete abandonment of our social health. Again, partners, friends, family, coworkers, and also an understanding that there is a way for us to kind of relieve ourselves from toxic relationships, whether they're toxic partners or toxic friends or coworkers, that there are ways because that does affect our well-being and eventually will affect our money. And so for me, it's challenging people on how they're looking at their finances through these wellness dimensions. And so glad you brought up that social health aspect. Well, it sounds like though, let me ask you this. I mean, our stackers that are listening to this, Jason, if they're introverts, they're freaking out right now. <laughs> they're like, well, I got to go, I got to go be more social. But I think even for introverts, there's this piece of it that we still have to have. Yeah, there is. And part of that too, it doesn't mean you go out in public and try to meet as many new people or you're pushing the limit. That is actually really important. That's part of mental health is pushing yourself in these areas that are going to be beneficial to you overall. So you may not want to socialize with your family or your friends, but perhaps, you know, it's a good year to socialize at least once within 365 days to do so. And so for the introverts who don't want to be out there all the time, I'm engaging in the forum, engaging in the groups through social media, so through the basement and Facebook, that is a form of social health because you are engaging, you are communicating, you are forming relationships. I mean, we met online, we forged a relationship online that became offline, and now we've known each other for almost a decade. That's important for people to understand. And that's why, too, when someone bulks at spending $10 or $20 to be part of a community, 
I kind of question and ask, well, if you're not the type to go out there and socialize at the bar or these parties, perhaps spending the money to be part of a community where you feel engaged and you feel mentally stimulated, emotionally involved, that's a good use of your money. Who needs to hear your message the most right now? I think right now, what's happening in this world are professionals, people who are striving still to achieve this milestone of salaries and titles, chasing that that American dream of climbing up the corporate ladder. And with that said, the inverse would be the entrepreneurs as well that are hustling and grinding. I think ultimately, the people that I'm looking to reach are those who are striving to achieve what they believe will give them more happiness and joy. And what I'm saying is, I want you to set these goals, but we can do it slower because we want to be able to to ensure that we're taking care of ourselves in this path because we're in here for hopefully a longer time. Well, and it feels like too that just just reminding us all that there's a uh, there's really a texture and a fabric to life that you don't get when you're only one of these dimensions instead of eight. I mean, that's what I really felt as I was walking through your work that that if I feed one part and I don't feed these others, then not only is it maybe destructive like it was for you, but you're also not just getting this fullness, this richness that we all deserve. Yeah, that's exactly it. The thing is with these multidimensional aspects of you, they are overlapping, they're interconnected, there's an intersectionality. So what happens is that when you are overcompensating in one dimension, it does have an effect on others, and that could be a negative effect as well. So for instance, if you're focusing solely on financial goals and you're, you're saying, oh yeah, I'm financially healthy, sacrificing your social health to achieve those goals, well, eventually you'll realize that once you've achieved, let's say, financial independence, you're going, wow, I'm celebrating and I'm all alone. Yeah. And it doesn't feel as good as I thought. And also the work dimension, because this is me. I stress so much in achieving professional success that I was sacrificing other aspects of myself, such as my mental health, my emotional well-being, and that psychological distress then impacts our physical health. And so now there are physical manifestations of the psychological distress that we're facing due to the fact that we've just been focusing solely on our professional success, which is that work dimension, happy work. And then even in that dimension, I go and then argue that we really have to rethink our relationship with work. And I talk about rewiring, not retiring, not forcing ourselves to an arbitrary number, whether we're looking at retiring early or retiring traditional age. We need to start rewiring our brain and our mindset around work because productivity is essential to our health, essential to our sense of self. And in addition to productivity, there's also teamwork. There's also the creative aspect and so, yes, it's, it's all connected. There's so much, there's so much to there to unpack because I, I do believe when I see people go, yeah, I'm trying to do as little as possible at work. I'm like, why? Yes. Why either quit that job, either quit that job or get in there, man, because you're just wasting your time, which I, I, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like your book is so much about what the true fabric is here. And sometimes we miss it. The book is called Happy Money, Happy Life, a multidimensional approach to health, wealth, and financial freedom. 
And I'm excited to say it's available everywhere, right, Jason? Yes, it is. It's available everywhere. Great seeing you, my friend. Hopefully you make it back to Texarkana on the tour and uh, let's do this again soon. Yes, it's there. It's set. Hey, this is Andy Hill from the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast. And when I'm not singing Disney karaoke songs with my kids at home, I'm stacking Benjamins. Hey, let's throw out Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency OG, they put what you value first. What do I value? You know, I, I, I would value cleaning my desk off. It's a nice buffer day activity. I created quite a mess on my focus days, so I need some cleaning time. I was thinking that today. I mean, not that you need to clean off your desk, because you do. But I, I was thinking the same thing. I'd love to do that right now. I just feel like doing some laundry, but no, I'm getting on a plane in uh, about an hour. Self-inflicted. It is self-inflicted. You chose it. It'll be a good conference, but I'm just not in the mood. I know I will be when I get there. That's always the case, but not right now. Yeah, it's actually, uh, let me see here. Uh, Haven Life says it's your loved ones and your time, which makes a ton of sense to me. Because if your desk is clean, you can focus on your time with your loved ones. Why they be buying quality term life insurance actually simple. You go to stackybedjamins.com slash Haven Life now. You get a free quote at Haven Life. They're committed to offering a modern way to buy life insurance. The application is simple. It's online. Instant coverage decision. Affordable prices. Lovely customer support. And all policies issued by not a company that just got here that you've never heard of, but their parent company, Mass Mutual, which is more than 160 years old. So you know that uh, they've done this before. Today, we're going to throw out the Haven Lifeline to our new BFF, Caleb. Hey, Joe and OG. Referencing back to the episode you did about 401k mistakes and leaving an old employer plan in place, I left a job earlier this year with a 401k of about eight years of savings, all done while the market did nothing but go up. I have a self-guided Roth with my big bank. I have read there is potential future tax savings by converting a traditional IRA to a Roth while the market is down. Would it be best to convert my former employer plan into my Roth, set up a new traditional IRA and roll it into that, or once I become invested with my new employer, roll the money into their plan? Long-time listener, still hoping to learn something. Thanks. Hey, thanks a lot for the call, Caleb. Hopefully we teach you something today. That's our goal. I think uh, OG got some uh, good stuff for Caleb. So the question is, should we convert pre-tax money to after-tax money, pay the tax today, and then have it be tax-free forever? And sometimes that can be a good timing decision You know, if the market's down and you expect it to rebound. Really, this just boils down to, do you have the money to pay the tax now? So if you're going to convert pre-tax money to Roth money, the IRS is going to expect a tax payment today. And you want to be able to pay that out of pocket, not out of your investments. So if you can pay for it in cash, if you pay for it on the investments, you have to take a distribution and then that's taxable too and a penalty. So we don't want to do any of those things. Secondly is how long do you have between now when you need the money? If you're young and you have long time for that money to compound that's a great thing. If you're you know, on the precipice of retiring, you don't have as much time for that to compound. So the tax-free nature of that may not be as beneficial. So really, it's just, do you have the taxes set aside, the, the amount that you'd have to pay the tax bill for? 
And then where to put it is kind of the next question is, do I put this in my Roth IRA that I already have established or do I put it in my 401k at work? One of the other things that you could do to make this a more seamless transaction, or if you're trying to decide, should I put this in my Roth at the company that I already have, or should I put it in my Roth 401k? Some plans allow you to do in-plan Roth conversions. And what that means is you can take your old 401k, put it with your new 401k, convert all of it to a Roth at one time. Again, you're still going to owe the taxes. You're still going to have to pay, pay the tax bill this year, but it's all in one place. For simplicity purposes, I would have all of my Roth money in one place if I could. You know, So whether that's in your 401k, if your plan allows that, or if it's in your Roth IRA that you've already established you know, at a brokerage company or whatever, that's fine too. This is a great idea. Any money that you can get away from Uncle Sam is better. I'm, I'm kind of with that slide on this, which is to say just get as much money tax-free as possible, then you don't have to worry about it. Great idea, Caleb. And I hope you lock that in. Super excited that he called OG and that he got the green light because Caleb's going to do some good things with that. If you've got a question for us, like Caleb had, head to stackingbenjamins.com slash voicemail. And that leads you to the Haven Lifeline. Super easy. You just uh, press a button on your computer and uh, speak. That's all that happens. Just ask the question. And for being brave like Caleb was, we'll send Caleb and we're going to send you when you call in a Haven Life Stacking Benjamin's Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt. Super comfortable, fantastically designed. Nice job by uh, Brad Lark and his team at Flying Pork Apparel in Cincinnati. Hey, a couple things on the community calendar for this week. I will be doing an Instagram Live this afternoon, 5 p.m. Eastern. Come hang out with me. Come hang out with other stackers. It's nice to just have a chat about the episodes that week. Often we have a guest, but usually when I'm in town, and I am in town tonight, come join me over on Instagram. Just go to Instagram, put in Stacking Benjamins Podcast, and follow us. So you get notifications whenever we go live, because sometimes it's on on other days. Also, you may have heard already, we have a brand new sister show coming on real estate, the Stacking Deeds podcast that will launch on uh, March 7th. Thanks to everybody who's given us notes about the show. I know our host, Alan and Crystal, who both been on Stacking Benjamins, super excited about that. Actually, I take that back. We recorded the episode, but guess who's on the show on Friday? Alan Corey, Alan Corey joins us on Friday, uh, co-host of the new Stacking Deeds podcast. He, along with Mindy Jensen and uh, Paulette Perhatch, going to be talking some real estate renovation, OG, getting ready to sell your house. You know, we're moving into that spring time when people start putting their houses up for sale. What fixes are worth it? Which ones aren't? So we brought in the big guns, Alan and Mindy, and of course, our own Paulette for that. Going to be great. Join us on Friday. If you're not here, though, to talk about renovating your house, you're not here to talk about cash versus stocks, you're worried about recession fears ramping up, and you may be feeling anxious to make some moves in your finances, maybe you were thinking about going to cash, and hopefully today we talked you out of that. Well, however, what I want you to do instead, check out this free guide OG and his team put together that'll help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. It has some great insights on what you should be doing and smart questions to ask yourself so that you make financial decisions your future self is going to thank you for. Head over to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide to get that free guide from OG. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, everybody. Doug, you got it from your man. What should we have learned today? 
So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Jason Vitug. Happiness? It certainly involves money, but there isn't a direct correlation between money and happiness. So use money as a conduit to your happiness, and you'll be much happier with your financial plan. Second, higher interest rates on cash? Sure, put your emergency fund in a high-yield cash account, but your long-term money should stay in investments that have a history of beating inflation over long periods of time. And that ain't cash. But the big lesson? Sure, you only live once, so you should be happy, but getting a you-only-live-once tramp stamp after Jason's last book tour does not help. Don't ask me how I know. I just... I just, I just know. Okay, now to get happy money, happy life, right across my right bicep, right over that sweet barbed wire tat I have. Thanks to Jason Vitug for joining us today. You'll find his book, Happy Money, Happy Life, wherever books are sold. You can find out more about his work at jasonvitug.com. We'll also include links in our show notes. Where? Oh, you already know. Stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. You can hire Paulette as your very own writing coach. With her program, Your Personal Editor, you get 10 sessions one-on-one with Paulette to add power to your words. More information at yourpersonaleditor.com. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Have you done any uh, New Year's resolutions? 
restitutions. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did, uh, what do we call it recently? New Year's Rev- revolution. Somebody called it New Year's revolution. I like revolutions, that. revelations. Any of these things happen in the last, uh, cause we're at the end of January already. This is, well, didn't they say like one of these days, I don't remember what day it is, but one day is blue Monday. It's like the worst Monday out of all of them. I, guess. Oh. I don't know when that. Because the uh, people just down because of lack of vitamin D, that kind of thing. All the dopamine from from Christmas has worn off, and it's you're just gone. back in the grind. It's it might be now. A- it might have happened the other day. But anyways, you know we're at the end of the, mo- the end of the month. Have you? Did you start anything new? Keep anything new? Throw anything out? You know what's cool, dude, is that you you got me involved a couple of years ago in strategic coach, and that was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. My spouse thanks you. I just, I feel like I look at life. I thought I looked at life holistically. I didn't look at it nearly as holistically as I do now. Mm. And the reason I say that is at the beginning of December, I went to Chicago to my strategic coach session, sat with 30 other entrepreneurs and dove in. And uh, I have a coach I meet with every Monday. We basically now spend our time going back through that book and making sure I'm implementing all the stuff I said that I do, which has been right. Great. A great use of time. Uh, go to strategic coach once a quarter. Mary Lou holds my feet to the fire. Make sure I do it. And it's, it's been a great one, two punch. And it's good because last couple of weeks I've looked back through some of those books from a year ago. We just pulled off a couple and it's cool to go through and all the things I highlighted that were actionable I needed to do. And I check them all off with, with the okay. exception of a few things. Every once in a while, yeah. as you know, there's an aha where you're like, Oh man, I should have be, I should be doing that. I should totally be doing that, which is why we went back. But the big thing, for 2023 to answer your question was we had to hire somebody, you know, to work in social media with Gertrude and also to take care of a lot of this behind the scenes stuff that we have. And we had an application process, but 90% of my goals for this year, business wise about stacking Benjamins all require somebody to be in that role. So I'm happy to announce we had fantastic candidates, just wonderful people who I could have worked with any of anybody who the people that applied were amazing, but we just hired a great woman named Kate Yountain who's uh, joining our team. It's funny. Kate is uh, just starting next week. She's had a couple orientation sessions, but OG, I hear the Calvary coming on my new year's goals, right? I hear everything is exactly like it was yesterday. But uh, my mood has changed so much and my feelings about the year have changed so much because help is finally on the way. So I'm just actually well, getting started. you only started. have 11 months to get them done. So I know, right? I'm just getting started on my New Year's goals, but they are alive and well. Why do you ask? Just more curious than anything. Just something to talk about. I don't watch really any TV. I got rid of, as you know, <laughs> that frustrates you. It's funny you talk about social media. You texted me a couple of uh, weeks ago and I said something about the show and you're like, yeah, it would be really helpful if you got on social media. Yes. <laughs> and, correct. And one, of my, one of the things I've been working on is to not be on social media. So I wrote back, yeah, I will never be on that again, but I'll be happy to uh, pay somebody to do it for me. Hire somebody. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what, I jumped off and I'm sure that there's, yeah, obviously I know that there's business use for it, but I can't, I can't delineate between those two. I can't have... Instagram for business and Instagram for not OG. You know what I mean? Like it just, it just smears together. So I stopped in, in November. I don't know why I picked November. I just said, starting today, I'm not going to go. I'm done. Social media. And more, it was an experiment of how long will it take to not grab your phone, swipe, swipe, 
down, swipe, hit the button, swipe, swipe. You know what I mean? Like that automatic, when you grab your phone, you automatically swipe to Instagram or to Twitter, like automatically every time. There's no, or whatever your social du jour is, probably one of those two. And if not that, then Facebook. But it took almost four months or four weeks, I mean, to not grab my phone and automatically swipe to that folder. I never clicked on it. I I stopped myself before I got there. But now that I told you that, just pay attention to it over the next couple of days. When you, like literally when your phone's sitting there and you grab it, what's the first thing you do? Like I'm almost certain the first thing that you do is wherever you have your your social buttons at. And I even did the whole like, I'll, I'll, I'll hide them. I'll put them in a folder on like the third page so I don't see it. No, doesn't matter. I just, it's Pavlovian. So yes, if you're missing OG on Twitter and oh, missing OG on uh, Instagram, I'm not, I've never been really a big Facebook fan. So not like, I used to do the AMA stuff. That's what I should do. I should have somebody sit with me and read me questions and I will answer them. I'm sure, I'm sure Kate is listening to this is going to be doing social for us. And she's right now voraciously shaking her head going, yeah, not my job. Not my job. Yeah, not her. I'm just saying someone. Somebody. Maybe that'll be the next person we hire. The person who walks around and tweets my thoughts. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, maybe it's payback from a certain person who uh, drove a car through a wall. Just say, hey, guess what you get Ah, to do today? You're my social media expert You get to sit with me. Follow me around and (laughs) Instagram me. (laughs) That'll teach him. He's never doing that again. Deep thoughts by OG. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.